Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to the Politics Guys with your hosts, Dave Carson and Michael Darnowski. Welcome to the Politics Guys. I'm Michael Baranowski, a political scientist at Northern Kentucky University. My co-host this week, as always, is Cleveland area attorney and sometime Republican strategist, Jay Carson. Here's our Ask the Politics Guys question for this week, Jay. Okay, fire away. It comes from Andrew in Kalamazoo. Now, a while back, Andrew sent us a bunch of good questions, and two of them are pretty closely related. And so what we're going to do is uh, I did a little bit of revising, combined them into one sort of mega question for today's show. So, All right, mega question. Mega All question. Right. All right, so here's the question. What one foundational thing would you most like to change about American politics, and which previous foundational change would you say has had the biggest unintended consequences? Now, since the foundational document in American politics is the Constitution, I thought we could interpret this as, if you had the power, what one amendment would you add to the Constitution, and what current amendment do you think is doing the most harm? Sound good? Sure. All right. So, I thought about this a lot, Jay, because I, I, I really like this question. Uh, the idea that I could just go in and change something is, is uh, very, very compelling. So okay. I had some – my top candidates, before I get to my finals, kind of give us a little bit of drama here. I don't know. Um, anyway, one I thought, you know, maybe it would be nice to abolish the filibuster in the Senate just so things could go through on a majority as opposed to needing 60 votes. But I decided, no, maybe I could think a little bit bigger. Well, it's not really in the Constitution, though. But you could put it in there. You're saying you'd add it to the Constitution. Yeah, I'd add it in there. So I thought that, nah. Then I thought maybe four-year terms for the House because right now with two-year terms, all they're doing essentially is running for re-election all the time. Uh, Between 30 and 70% of their time, they spend raising money. And I thought longer terms. But then I thought, nah, that's thinking a little too small. I also thought okay. about doing away with the Electoral College and just having a of system. That's, that's direct all everybody election. thinks about doing well, yeah. with Electoral College. You know, it seems so. It's been done to death and, and honestly uh, just didn't do it for me. Then, then I thought big. I thought really big. I thought, what about – and we talked about this I think in the last uh, as the Politics guys. What about a parliamentary system? But, you know, then I thought – uh, it's still not big enough? Well, you know, that's way too – in fact, I rejected that because it was too big. So, and okay. you know how I feel about – I mean I'm still uh, at least a Burkean conservative at heart. And doing something that big, I would be really, really uncomfortable with that. So even though I think other things being equal, a parliamentary system would be better as we talked about last week, I would not be comfortable with making that big of a change because I think the unintended consequences would be, well – unintended and huge, and I I would not want to do that. So here is my ultimate choice for what would be the 28th Amendment, if I could just wave a magic wand and make it happen. It would read exactly as follows. Okay. The right to free speech, as specified in the First Amendment, does not apply to corporate entities. That would be my choice. Oh, my God. That's terrible. I love it. I think it's great. It would in, in one fell swoop, it would overturn Citizens United and all those awful, awful Supreme Court decisions that essentially said that when it comes to political speech, corporations have every right that individuals have. Now, I would not – I thought about going bigger at first. I thought about just essentially overturning this idea of corporate personhood, but – 
in a number of contexts, I think that corporate personhood, personhood sorry, makes good sense. But when it comes to when it comes to political speech, I don't think it does. And so I think this would be the single change that I would be that, that I would be comfortable with, at least that I think would do the most good that would help to rearrange the balance to make to make political campaigns, to make elections less about what corporate money can do and more about the people as the framers intended. So that's my that's my selection. So how how does that. How does that even make sense? When you're when you're talking about look at this election, uh, what role has corporate money pay, uh, played in it? Corporate money has played a huge role. What do you mean? What role has right. corporate? Right. What did it What did it do for Jeb Bush? Well, now, Jeb Bush, you're right. I mean, who's you're... the guy who is leading the Republican uh, field? It's the guy who's self financing. Well, what did it do for uh, Hillary Clinton? You know, is is. Uh, is Hillary Clinton accepting uh, corporate money from? Uh, well, it's not. Uh, see, no, it's not so and much. Again, it's not it's campaign not even, contributions. Let's, let's get things straight. Money. Um, we're not talking about corporate contributions to a candidate, which are still prohibited. We're talking about corporate independent expenditures. Well, they're prohibited, and they're not. I mean, they're prohibited in the sense that unless they form a unless they form a a pack, basically, and then they're limited to only five thousand dollars, which is nothing. So the money that's really that's really changing the process is what's called the so-called independent expenditures, which is. BS, essentially, because all this, I mean, a lot of these super PACs that are doing these independent expenditures, they're being run by people who formerly were very close to the campaigns, then split off right before the election, right before the candidates declare. So they essentially are running a a shadow campaign with much more money in many cases than the campaign itself has. So that's what's going on. Now, when you have a disaster of a candidate at the wrong time, like Jeb Bush, then, yeah, all the money in the world doesn't matter. And when you have a completely unique person like Donald Trump, where, you know, he's getting hundreds of millions of dollars in free media, that's a different situation. In fact, I would even argue that it probably doesn't matter nearly as much in presidential race as as it does in congressional races, where that's a lot more insidious and the people don't know the candidates as well. And so I would say it matters a lot more for Congress than it matters for the presidency. Well, I I think what you've got there is is sort of a solution in search of a problem. Oh, God, no, huge problem. Uh, I don't don't think that uh, independent expenditure, and the courts have said this numerous times, the, the the justification in our campaign finance laws is is to prevent quid pro quos. And they're told uh, they're totally wrong about that. That's what I'm saying is that <laughs> they recognize no, they recognize only one form of corruption. They were they recognize quid pro quo corruption, which is almost totally not even a thing anymore. This buying vote sort of thing that doesn't really it's illegal. Yes, right, right. But the the much the much worse type of corruption is the corruption. What's it's what uh, Larry Lessig has called dependency corruption, where you get so dependent on corporate money that it just changes your entire outlook. And that's the stuff that's truly corrupting the system. And that's the thing that five Supreme Court justices to this point have not seen fit to see. I think there are four Supreme Court justices who have seen it. And that's why I'm very grateful that a Democrat's almost certainly going to win this election so we can get that horrible, horrible Citizens United uh, decision overturned. But in would that apply to, would that apply to unions too, where they would they still uh, be able to uh, do their expenditures? Uh, what do you mean? Sorry. 
Well, I mean, would if if corporate corporations are no longer allowed to make independent expenditures, would mm-hmm. unions be allowed to make independent expenditures? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Uh, I I think you can certainly. Well, make your amendment. Case. I mean, yeah. what's, well, what's it right say? now it doesn't say anything about unions. It just says corporate entities. But does that does that include labor unions? No, I think that's a I think that's a reasonable point, and I'm not going to give you an off the cuff answer to it because I haven't really thought about it. But I see what you're saying, and. That is, I think, a reasonable point to make uh, in, in that now are unions different from corporate entities? In some ways they are, in some ways they aren't. I'm not prepared to say that they're similar enough that it should apply, but I understand the logic of your argument, and so I can't reject it out of hand. Would it apply to, say, the New York Times Corporation's editorial page? Well, that that's that's definitely different because they're speaking through their – you know, through their uh, – uh, Newspaper, essentially. Sure. But then well, I guess uh, no, I, what's what's the difference if someone speaks through their newspaper, they speak through a TV ad or they open their own uh, open their own newspaper. OK, yeah, you know, right. which they would have to open. I mean, look, it, realistically, uh, the the ability of an individual citizen to make his voice heard uh, in in an election mm-hmm is very much diluted just because of well, and again, 380 let, million on let, this. Let, not many be, of us have enough money to, to make a, a difference. Let's but be clear about they this. They band though. together in corporations and, for example, make movies to criticize Hillary Clinton, which is what Citizens United was all about. And and they can do that. But, I think I think use the corporate form allowing people to, you, to but do you're miss, that. To you're move, missing the important it's, it's point. participatory. You're missing an important point, though. Just because the Constitution says that the First Amendment does not apply to corporate entities does not mean that corporate entities are banned from contributing to, co- to campaigns. There's nothing but, that but would But it prevent- certainly means that it, it could be banned. It could be it, banned. Exactly. Hillary has said this is that was one of the first things she would do. So I would say <laughs> leave it to the democratic process. I would say leave it to the democratic process. That's I'm just saying. I'm just saying that corporations in this in this instance are not like individuals and do not have a fundamental right to this. Individuals absolutely do, but corporations do not. And so, if the wisdom of so the one process, one individual would have a a, a a right to it, but two individuals banding together would not. You mean what constitutes a corporate entity? Yeah. Well, I don't. I mean, you know, we'd have that would have to be obviously considered through. You know, through through interpretation and so forth, and so I, I don't know exactly what would con, would constitute a corporate entity, but certainly anything, any you know, any business that is incorporated would, by definition, constitute a corporate entity. All right. Well, there there are a lot of those. There are, um, there I, are, and I, will, I don't I think they have. I will just, I will just let the the nonsensicalness of, and and finally point out that the the whole idea of constitutional amendments. Uh, is that they are are immune from uh, regulation? They're out of play. It's we've decided these are things which we will not have uh, regulation on, um, or at least at least not unreasonable regulation on that would infringe upon them. I, I don't. So I, I don't follow. So Sorry. I, I was. I wish you would have gone with the parliamentary thing. Really, that that would have been better. No, too big of a change. But I think this would be a great change. Obviously, you completely disagree. But but anyway, what would your change be? My change now. I. I I read the question a little differently. Okay. Um, rather than what what change would I make, I read it sort of of what what would I have made back in the day. Okay. Okay. Uh, if I had been able to, um, and I think really the the biggest issue for our country that could have made a a huge difference and we would be a completely different place now 
would have been in the Constitution to create a uh, the abolition of slavery. Ooh, um, there were see, bam! I go there like yeah. you're, you're lying about corporate stuff. I'm well, I'm no, a, not I'm to be fair. You had a, you you interpreted the question entirely differently. I'm interpreting in the real world, and you're you're going in your time machine back to 1789. Well, I thought I thought it was a time machine. Okay, kind of well question. that's it's fine, but don't 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 knock me for you know interpreting the were, question there were, differently. There were proposals. Um, you know, both legislative and uh, you know, in the constitutional time, about about a phase out of of slavery, um, and and again, if we're we're looking at this sort of perfect world that that you know, if I could buy fiat, sort of do one thing, uh, I think that would have been it. Um, now we might further, have had we might have a, had whole, two a whole million reasons why why it wasn't done and 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 couldn't have been done really from a, a political possibility standpoint back then. Um, but if if you look, uh, I think it would have dramatically changed uh, how we view everything, and, and it would have changed our political process. Uh, oh, heck yeah! And you know, so something that that um, you know, I've read. I heard a speaker say, and I'll, I'll maybe post links. And I think I may have even done this before. But so much of the way we think about uh, issues of race, um, we sort of assume that racism. Uh, was sort of the basis for slavery. Uh, and it's been argued that in a lot of ways, it's the other way around. Right. We I hear you saying, the yeah. idea yeah. of racial inferiority in order to justify. Make us feel, uh, uh, make people feel better about owning slaves while yeah. they're not quite human. Yeah, yeah uh, exactly. And, yeah. and Ridiculous. If you, if you could have undone that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think we would have had a lot less of the idea of, of racial grievances. Of, oh, yeah, I'm with you. I think even that's if, a great Even choice, if you could yeah. have, if you went back to um, the civil rights cases of the, uh, I think it was 1872 was the Supreme Court decision. Um, you know, essentially during Reconstruction, it was proposed to create sort of a, a new civil rights, uh, uh, you know, world. So not not dissimilar to what was passed in 1964. Um, less aggressive, uh, but there there would have been essentially. You know, it would have outlawed Jim Crow laws uh, starting back in 1872, and it it, it failed um, in the U.S. Supreme Court on the basis that uh, there was no interstate commerce really at issue that could justify that congressional use of power, and also just just I mean the times and and so forth. It was different, but you know, I guess that if if I could go back and if I'm looking at this as one foundational change that I could have made. Uh, it would have been to address that question. Hey, I think that's a great. I mean, I think what we would. We, I don't think we would have ended up having. Uh, well, we might have ended up having another uh, another country sharing this landmass, but because I could never see the South going along with it at that point, and since we needed that unanimity to, you know, get everything get everything done. But I, I like right. it. I, again, I, like this, it, yeah. I, I viewed as this as sort of a fantasy type. Yeah. If we could change men's minds and that sort of thing, yeah, no, I, yeah. I like it. I think, yeah, who who wouldn't be for that? Well, there are a few people who wouldn't be for that, and some of them are planning right. to vote 20 for Trump. Of but anyway, Trump's yeah, exactly. So that's a great choice, Jay. I'm totally with you on that. Okay, um, let's move to the second part of the question, and which I interpreted it as. The worst current amendment, basically. I mean, to, to put it very simply, and um, you know, I, I there were a couple that I have issues with. For instance, I think um, the Second Amendment is at least poorly worded. 
right? Okay. I mean, because you know that whole thing about uh, the, the the having a, a militia, well-regulated militias. And yeah, so well-regulated militia being, and so you know, I think they think they should have just been a little clearer. It would, it would have been clearer if it said every individual, but yes. Yes, and so I I don't know. Th- I I in fact am in favor of the Second Amendment to an extent. I mean, I think. I think that I'm I'm for you know uh, restrict reasonable restrictions and so forth, but I think that just the wording of this has been a big problem for a long time, and so I would say that I wish the Second Amendment were made clearer by the framers, because obviously liberals and conservatives have been uh, interpreting this amendment very differently, either focusing on the militia part or the right to bear arms part. So I would certainly like to see that changed. I think that was a badly worded amendment, but. I think coming down to it, the one amendment that I would just rip out would be the 22nd Amendment. And that was the okay. – that's the amendment that term limit term limits the president. You know, I, I think oh, there's – well, that's, you're acting like I'm doing some, um, some radical sort of thing. When this was passed in the 50s when Republicans were just upset about FDR keeping on getting you know, reelected, I think – if if the, someone wants to run for president again and the public supports that person and, and that person can get their party's nomination, I say have at it. You know, I have no problem with that whatsoever. We did it that way for most of the history of this republic, and I think this is an anti-democratic bad amendment that should be ripped out of the Constitution. So that's right. my choice. I, no, actually, I mean, I you you're probably it's it's I'm making I'm making more of a big deal about it than I uh, maybe ought to because up until Roosevelt, the idea of a president serving more ter- terms or the two terms uh, j- it just didn't happen. Uh, it wasn't a real concern uh, that you have sort of an imperial presidency. Uh, but times changed, and and um, I think it sort of made it made it necessary uh, after Roosevelt served four. Not really served for it. Was like three and a half or three and a quarter, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, I, all right. I'm. Um. That's that's less terrible than than your your other suggestion. Um, going back to the Second Amendment, though, th- yeah. and this is I just want to point out. I was going to point this out on our Merrick Garland uh, discussion on on Sunday. You know, when you really think about it from a legal perspective, the Second Amendment is not. That that big of a an issue, and again, I'm, I'm people are probably like throwing yeah. things at the wall. No, I, I agree with you entirely. Yeah, now. yeah. Uh, there, what I mean by that is there are very few gun regulations that have been uh, struck down in term uh, in terms of, of Second Amendment grounds. Um, really, the, the the big ones that have been are things where it's like citywide bans. Yeah, right? entire the, the complete bans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, courts have always from day one uh, recognized reasonable regulation in terms of firearms. Yeah. So, so much the, the Second Amendment fight isn't really in the courts. It's really in the legislature. Yeah, exactly. Great point. And and, and again, I, I'm not I don't want anyone to think I'm wavering on Second Amendment because it's important there to have that backstop uh, to back up the legislative arguments. Um, but but I'm just going to point out from a, a an actual constitutional standpoint. Very rarely are any gun regulations struck down on Second Amendment yeah, grounds. Yeah. And I think, you know, this, this will suggest to me, I mean, both of us, I think, agree that 
monkeying around with fundamental parts of the the system. I think we're both a little uncomfortable with that. And for a lot of things, at least I would prefer to work its way through the legislative process rather than changing the basic rules of the game, which is why even though I think gun violence is a huge problem, I think it's a problem that needs to be dealt with through, like you said, the legislative process, really. And there's not the legislative will to do that at this point, which I think is horrific, but I, it's, it's just simply the fact, you know? Yeah. All right. So, so now to what, what amendment would I throw out? Okay. Um, and this is going to be, this is going to be a little weird one. Uh, 17th amendment, the 17th amendment. Okay. That's the one that uh, direct election of senators by popular vote passed way back in, what was it? 19, 13, I think it was. Yeah, wow. It's been around for a little over a century. Okay, so what's your problem with direct election of senators, Jay? My problem is I think it gets away from a a fundamental uh, federalism that was built into the original Constitution. The idea that uh, the House represents the people and the Senate, in a sense, represents the states. Uh, I think that's that's a, a... a piece of federalism that we sort of lost. And so, so just to be know, clear, the, how were they, how were senators elected? Just let everyone know, how were they uh, chosen before this? Amendment? They were chosen by the, the state legislatures, okay. essentially. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think the, the process could vary from state to state. Um, but it was essentially, you were picked by the, the, the state legislature. So you were, you were indirectly elected yeah. uh, by, by the people. Um, I like this one but too. What Jay. happened in in the in the eighteen uh, sixties? I mean, first of all, um, there were there was a things things were different then. It wasn't you know there were there were more state interests, sure, uh, and arguments between states, which you you don't see today. Absolutely. Um, and and of course the problem was it was these were often you know smoke filled rooms and so forth. Uh, the reason that they went. Uh, one of the reasons that they went to direct uh, elections, and this is something that's a little bit interesting, uh, was the fact that the smoke-filled room system wasn't working and there were, were breakdowns, especially in, in the South, as far as who would they elect because they, they were deadlocked. They couldn't elect senators. And there were there was a period of time where uh, – let me get the states here right. Um, but we had some states who, who went without senators for, for some period of time. Uh, so, so then, so oh, I'm, I'm, my research is failing me. I had it in front of me a second ago. <laughs> so, so then, if I understand it, you're saying that you like the idea of uh, senators being chosen by the states, but you might want the system to be a little more transparent at the state level than it was, so that way it wouldn't yeah, lead to the okay. yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. Here's you know, here's the number I was looking for. This is we're talking between 1866 and 1906. There were 45 deadlocks in wow. 20 different states. And that was between 1891 and 1905. Uh, in 1899, it got so bad that Delaware did not send a senator to Washington for four years. Jeez. And yet we survived. Yes, we did. And people are, and people are concerned that we'll, have, we'll, be, we'll be down one Supreme Court justice for a couple months. Um, no one really missed Delaware. I mean, come on. Exactly. What was he really doing? Yeah, exactly. Um, so then, and once you had the, the populist, uh, uh, progressive movement uh, in the early 1900s, uh, people started to move towards direct election. Now, again, under the, the former system, 
there was nothing that would have really prohibited direct election, I, I don't think. Right. The states uh, could I choose the method, essentially. Chosen yeah. by the states. Yeah. The states could have done that. Uh, one of the, the biggest supporters of direct election was uh, William Randolph Hearst, um, who also newspaper got Newspaper baron, a, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, uh, you know, may or may not have had a sled, but um, – no, he he wrote a series of pieces, uh, or published a series of pieces called "The Treason of the Senate." Um, we talked about the various smoke-filled rooms and so forth. And yeah, you know, I like I said, so, I, I like the idea of the Senate being a little more insulated. I guess this is what appeals to me about not direct election. I like the idea of the senators having a little more insulation from the popular will, which is sort of how one of the things that I understand the framers wanting to do, making the Senate be a little more deliberative, be a little more statesmanlike, and so forth. I'm not necessarily crazy about that. I have some issues with how the states might carry that out, certainly. Uh, so I guess I, I like the idea in theory, though I'm not exactly sure how it would work in practice. And so, uh, like I said, my initial reaction, good thing, but uh, I, I don't know. The more I think about it, the more I kind of feel sort of eh, maybe not. I, you know, again, I, and I don't know what would happen because because it's again, this is a make believe. What what sure. would we done? What? But I, my I, sense is what would have happened is you would see that there would be a more robust federalism. Uh, I imagine because you're right. in a yeah. lot of ways, states as state entities don't have a voice in the federal government, and by many they are, I think, quite wrongfully viewed as just sort of subdivisions of the federal government. Uh, and I think that balance would have uh, checked some of the expansion of federal powers over the years, uh, and and it would have led to a a more uh, again I'll use the word robust, more deliberative voting in uh, in states, and, hmm. and I think that would have been good. Again, from my my uh, small R Republican viewpoint, uh, you'd have uh, a more government closer to the people as opposed to uh, in Washington. Yeah, so that's, but it, again, it didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, it won't happen. Um, and even if it but, did uh, happen, if, I think the states would all go to uh, direct election anyway, if they could choose, essentially, they would just in state, no state, even if it had the uh, opportunity to do that, no state legislature would say, well, we're going to take back the power to do this and take it away from the people. That would just not happen. Right, right. So, right. but yeah, that's not, like I said, I, I guess I have mixed emotions about that choice, but I, I certainly see your logic behind that. So, well, thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we answered that question, at least the way we interpreted that question pretty, pretty fully, wouldn't you say? Yes, I All think right. so. All right. Well, then that would do it, I guess. Uh, that's it for this episode of Ask the Politics Guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you have any questions for future episodes or just any thoughts, comments, or criticisms, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is politicsguys at gmail.com. Our Facebook page, where Jay and I post and comment throughout the week and where you can join in, is facebook.com slash politicsguys page. And if you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher, we would really appreciate it if you could take a minute or two to rate the show and write a quick review. Finally, if you like what we're doing and want us to be able to keep on doing it, a donation of even a dollar or two, the price of a box of 5,000 Boss Stitch premium standard staples would really help. You'll find donation links on our site, politicsguys.com. Ask the Politics Guys will be back next Wednesday. We hope you'll join us. <laughs>